0: I'm lucky enough to be joined today by my friend, Brian Young. Brian is a software developer and a homeowner and parent and had a formal life doing animation work in 3D World, working at Pixar, I think. Yeah, I worked on Monsters, Inc. and He's also an elf from Lord of the Rings. And he's a very caring guy and a really impressive father. In fact, one of the things I admire about Brian is he reminds me of my father and how my father interacted with us. So I introduce you to my close friend, Brian Young. Brian, have you listened to any of these podcasts I've been doing every day this month?
1: (laughs) You're you're killing my podcast listening. Um, No, no, I was not able to keep up with it. I think I have gotten four of them. Three or four of them. Well, that's good. Yeah.
0: No, that's fine. At least Lizard heard one. That's great. Did anything uh, catch your mind?
1: Catch my mind. I like how you are are actually giving free self-help lessons where everybody gets to talk their things out. (laughs) Yeah. I I was going to bring up. (laughs) You're you're really tired, right? Yes. I am really, really tired.
0: I was up last night editing the podcast with Bonnie until four o'clock in the morning. Oh, crap. And then I woke up this morning to help Gwendolyn get to school.
1: She had to leave at seven 30. So I was up at seven. Why are you even do, doing this? Okay. So we're going to have a 10 minute conversation. <laughs> you're going to get some sleep, <laughs> no editing. You're, you're just going to say, okay, we're starting here and we're going to end there. That's all done.
0: It's, it sounds like the best thing we could possibly do. However, this is also becoming this amazing archive of meaningful conversations I'm having with people. And, Every one of them has been really important to me and will be important in perpetuity. Do you remember the the series of photos I took in 2011 where I took a portrait every day for the year?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I remember many of those portraits.
0: My memory is not great, but when I digitize things, when I make them on my computer and I revisit them, especially when I'm editing the audio, it, it comes into me and stays in me much more than if I were to just you know, take the photo or be in the experience or have the conversation. I'm better at remembering when I'm, when I recycle the stuff right afterwards. So these photos, I think it's interesting because I know the photo I took of you that year, that one portrait I took of you was the day that you got rid of your boat. Yeah. And, and you were sad. It's not the great photo of you because you're sad, right? You're, you got teary eyes and red and I've talked about it a lot with you. And I know I can tell the way you're looking right now that you're like, yeah, that I know the photo.
1: Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, kind of annoying. You with bring things. up the photo, and I just feel a big sigh. <laughs> That's just the feeling I have; it just runs through me. Do you still miss the boat? It was the right thing to do. Yes, I miss it. Um, in some ways, I I feel like I did it way too late, and I wish I had done it earlier. It was it's a really great part of my life, and I couldn't keep it going with all the other parts of my life going on. So, I'm okay with with. Different parts of my life being dramatically different, I don't need to keep everything, and actually, I'm in the mode now where I don't want to keep anything, but um that's another thing
0: yeah, it's interesting holding on to things versus letting things go. I have this collection of photographs of my father's and and memorabilia and even plays that that I worked on as a kid, and all this stuff's like why do we hold on to these things? they're part of who we are, but also to become a boat anchor. yours literally
1: <laughs> yeah, um we hold on to them because well, I mean. The worst ones are the pack rat aspects. You and I both have piles of things that we know we could use someday. There's going to be a reason. In fact, there's always at least one reason that comes up that uh, convinces that you, you that you have to keep the other hundred things, but it'd be just so much better if we just gave them away to someone else to use. I agree. I watched a video during lunch of Adam Savage. He's the
0: you know who Adam Savage is? Sure. Yeah. One of the Mythbusters? Yeah. Okay. And he's a big maker and uh, he's amazing. Anyway, he shows a whole bunch of videos of his, of his shop in San Francisco where he makes works. And he called himself a high functioning hoarder.
1: Mm-hmm. Which
0: I thought was a great, <laughs> a great way to think of it, you know? Because, of course, he like, collects tools and has it relatively organized. But still, even when you're really organized, you can have something and never get access to it. Or I think the, the thing that showed me how bad it is to collect things and hold on to things is when you need something, And you spend two hours looking for it and you don't find it, but you know, you have it.
1: That's much worse than not having it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's when you got to get rid of everything. Um, (laughs) My son couldn't find his trumpet today, Uh, but that wasn't because it was lost in the house. It was lost somewhere else. Have I ever told you about my art teacher when I was in high school? I feel like you did have an impactful art teacher, but go ahead. Tell me. So this, this guy, he was an ex Marine. He, um. He was an absolute hoarder. He was—he's the kind of hoarder that when he invited you over to the house, he—he he, you, you go in there and the stairwell has piles of books and things like covering both sides of the stairwell over the walls up to about three feet high and like a little tunnel. Yeah, if you go upstairs, it's relatively calm. There's just piles of things six feet high and then a space to sit in two easy chairs and watch a 36 inch tv and the tables are all covered with stuff but downstairs was the real dungeon where the incredible collection of records and books that um you know it it looks like a, a used bookstore combined with a um, a record store combined with science projects, combined with everything left on top of it. And oh, and then you've got the old stereo gear that uh, was there, and then the art room that is just literally no place to walk. Um, this guy had left a huge impact on me, but one of the things he taught me was, don't do that.
0: <laughs> don't be like him.
1: Yeah. In there, there was, let's see, the 16-millimeter projector and all of the films that he had. Um, there was... a. Uh, more paint than I could ever use. I'm drawn to those spaces too, though. There, there's a story in every nook.
0: I'm drawn to that kind of space too, though. I and mean, that's the most amazing space to visit and see. Yeah. But um He was an incredible guy. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, uh the Henson film. It's young girl, her baby brother stolen by the troll king, Jared. Right, right, right. You're you're talking about um I cannot believe I'm blanking on the name of the film. Uh darn it. <laughs> David Bowie. (laughs) David Bowie, thank you. Hang on a second. Hey, Maggie? Maggie, who's the David Bowie um, Henson film about the girl whose brother's stolen by the... The Labyrinth. Labyrinth. (laughs) Maggie says it like, you fool, Labyrinth. Maggie's not feeling well, so I just interrupted her slumber to ask. Labyrinth! Anyway, in Labyrinth, you go into that kind of trash heap. And the, the junk lady, and they're piling, the junk ladies, they're piling stuff on you. Oh, you'll need this, sweetheart, you'll need this. But th- there is something magical about a library. Even a library, even a place with tons of books has this total attraction to me. I remember getting rid of books at one point before I move. And I went through this process of trying to f- think about books not as the ma- magical quality that we put around books, but more like, am I going to read this again? Am I going to give this to somebody? If I'm not, let's get to the, to the bookstop now. And I got rid of a lot of books, and I still
1: have a feeling of regret about that. Because you can't go back and pick them up and get the memories right back as the smell floods through your your memories?
0: No, because great people have wonderful homes full of interesting things.
1: They do. I think that's what it's about. I, I th- great people also go out in the world and experience things. And when those great things that are around you and your, your home are weighing you down, you don't do that. So okay. So you had a, sci- a science teacher. Was a science teacher. Well, he was an art teacher. He was he was an everything teacher. He <laughs> he, he, was, he was a crazy guy. He he was part of the whole campaign to name the first test space shuttle Enterprise because he was a big Star Trek geek.
0: And, um, and so you saw from him, you learned from him lots of things, but you also saw his home and said, I
1: don't want to do that. Yes. But the best way to describe him is his mind was exactly like his home. It was filled with unorganized corners of so many things. And um, it's funny, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. I am attracted to people and hang around people all the time that just know things and like to talk about them. Every interesting person in my life is somebody I just I, I just get around and I love listening to. And um, that's exactly what this guy was. And he would teach me about how the eye works and about how paint mixes and about color theory and about, um, about Star Trek and old stories there and about space and about um, relativity and, uh, oh, would you like to come to a, uh, a comic book convention with me? Yeah, we've got... All of this going on there. In fact, you're talking about memories. Uh, my memory is just as bad as yours, and I have so many holes in it. But at a comic book convention, he wanted to go up to a friend's room to be a part of a birthday party. And we go in there, and there's these four old guys, um, one of them with a really thick, thick accent. And I can't be sure now, but... I I know this this one guy whose birthday it was was this famous science fiction author, but I I can't now figure out which one he was. Um, I want to say I I want to say say it was Isaac Asimov, but I I, I keep looking in the uh, in uh, history and I I think it can't be him. So but why would he have this thick Russian accent if it wasn't him? So. So, yes, you you can't. Do you know what comic convention it was? Yeah, it was Balticon 980. I bet it was, I bet it was 86 dates of that. They don't have have... the records online for Balticon. They don't have who the guest speaker was. (gasps) If they did, I would know this for sure. That's okay. You don't need the guest speaker. You don't need the guest speaker. You just need to know,
0: you just need to know uh, the date of that and then cross reference that to author's
1: uh, birthdays. That's it. Yeah, no, I, I, you're right. I got to do that search. Shoot. I didn't think about (laughs) that before.
0: (laughs) We got to do that sometime. You know what? You know what? We should ping Sean about that because he'll know. <laughs> <laughs> he'll probably have a, uh, a program for Balticon, whatever. Was it a good conversation having these uh, strange men at a comic convention talking?
1: No, I don't remember much of it. It, uh, it was terrible because I, don't have, uh, I didn't have the uh, science fiction um, vocabulary at the time. But, yeah. you know, just because somebody's famous doesn't mean you, uh, you understand why. Are you going to be able to do this? You are,
0: you are really tired. I am really tired, but I have to do this because this is day 26 and I've done it every okay. day. So
1: it's happening. Sorry for the edit point, but you already <laughs> made one there with, with Maggie behind
0: you. Okay. <laughs> no, no, that can be in there. No, that can totally be in there. I am, I am so over making it perfect. It is about me talking with people. And I know I, I did that intentionally. I, I talked to Maggie intentionally with this idea that that'll just be part of the audio. That'd be fine. It's casual. So did you actually start this before the the first? I started this on the first of the year, the very first day of the year. I went up and created a podcast feed. I grabbed my artwork. I interviewed some, somebody interviewed my sister, Adri. I edited it that very first day. I did everything, including launching the podcast all in one day and got the theme song from her. She didn't give me the, a good quality recording of the theme song until the second episode. So the first episode, the audio is a little bit funky on the, on the podcast uh, theme. Adri is also um she's been she's been making a song every day and sharing it to our family chat which is a kick. There's actually one she was inspired to make after an episode a couple of days ago with my friend Emerson. At one point in our life we talked about how in 5 billion years the sun will destroy the earth, will encompass the earth and everything on the earth will be destroyed completely and no no life and all that. And he just felt that was a really a big hit to him, so we talked a bit about that. In any case, Adri made uh, a whole song about it. And, you know, actually, I'll play it right now. However long it takes Any number of heartbreaks No matter how dark the night The sun is sure to rise once again
1: If it takes five billion years to wash away all these tears in a flash of molten heat, she'll encompass all our dreams
0: in the end. However long it takes, any number of heartbreaks, no matter how dark the night. The sun is sure to rise once again. I'm sorry, Brian, I did that in the edit. So there's my sister Adriana's song about that was motivated by the the series with M, which was fun. I
1: I absolutely love the theme song that she made for you because... It's cool Well no It also brings back the. Um, we were talking about Sounds and smells Bring back memories Do you know the uh, BBC production of um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy The radio play Yeah uh, I, It does feel like that Absolutely It's the banjo
0: You're right Oh I, my I can't even really go
1: back And listen to it uh, See how closely it matches But um, it's the same feeling
0: It is the same feeling I don't know if that's A banjo or a guitar I never really thought about it But I know the song You're talking about That kind of interludes To The Hitchhiker's Guide Yeah that's great Interesting people is a good theme because i've always known that I know a lot of impressive and amazing people, and i 'm attracted to people that like to think and talk and engage in the world with their intellect and bring new ideas but until I started doing this, i didn't realize how universal it feels to me. You kind of put people in your lives in kind of boxes you kind of understand who they are and you kind of get it you know my friend Emerson's an author and a painter, and he does cash management at UCSC and my friend uh, I don't know, um, any of the people I've interviewed so far, I have a story in some sense of who they are in my mind. And I know that in talking with them, I'll be able to bring some of that out and share the amazing qualities with people and everybody else will appreciate the conversation. I'm I'm fully aware that will happen. But consistently, I have those conversations, and I'm utterly blown away by how much more there is than the narrative I had. There was reductive narrative I had in my mind, which of course makes sense. You can't fully grasp who somebody else is and so when you talk with them they bring out more things and new ideas and that that universality so far for everybody i've talked to is is has been the most rewarding
1: piece of this what's the saying uh uh, there's this idea that everybody's carrying around their own pain and and when you see somebody be compassionate to them because you never know what they're dealing with but the other side of that the brighter side of that is there's something some other side to every person that you don't know there's some other side that you haven't yeah. uh, touched yet.
0: It's funny because I I'm the most nervous about that with people that I engage with a lot. I'm most nervous about that with you and and Ben because we talk so frequently compared to you know a lot of people in my life that I I can espouse and talk and and, and Warren as well because you know I, I interview Warren all the time. I talk with him all the time. But so I was I'm a little nervous about that all the time, and then the experience of like what happened with Bonnie last night, I didn't even know I had things to tell her and talk to her about. It was, I'm pretty sure that I'll do this again next year. I think Maggie might ask me to move out while I do it, but um, because it's been such a great experience or some form of this in a regular cadence at some level at the same time, it's not a great podcast experience for an audience because it's too much. It's just too much content.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The the one a day should be stretched out to uh, the full year.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because I could have done one a week and this would have been a lot less work and I would have had one for, you know, 52 of them instead of 30 of them. So one of them. anyway, I started a little while ago asking if there's anything that, um, you picked up from one of the po- episodes you listened to that you want to to address or think about with me.
1: Oh, it's funny. Um, I, I think it was Emerson. I was just starting to listen to that one, um, while I was setting up to try to try to get me in the mood of, um, the podcast and, Was it him? Was he the one started off talking about uh, being depressed or or really
0: quickly brought up about his father passing and crying at a restaurant with his family? Mm -hmm. That was Emerson.
1: I I just went through that myself where for basically a month it was it was it was really hard. And um, in the past I've gone through that kind of normal um I, I'm, I'm used to it but it, you know w- when you're when you're feeling that down it, things are harder but this time i didn't have something to blame this is things are going really well in general things are really going well and i didn't have anyone or anything i could actually blame that one on it was the first time i was just thinking yeah, yeah maybe this is just a, a biological thing Maybe this is just something you go through, and there is doesn't have to be a reason, and you just have to uh, do what you need to, to 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 make a safe space for you, and and then here I am. It's been a few days, and all of a sudden, back to the everything's great. I can deal with life again. <laughs> what what is
0: that? What was the feeling you were having this uh, this month?
1: I think it started with the uh, Christmas time. I I can be pretty stressed out about gifts. Want to make sure, give good, good, give, give good gifts, and yet I, uh, I am not a good gift giver, um, and that tends to put me into a bit of a mood. But it just kept going. Um, there's just way too much to do. There's just way too many things going on. Yeah. And uh, were you feeling just overwhelmed with too many things? Are we also feeling sadness? Yeah, uh, overwhelmed. It was all about overwhelmed. It was all about how how can we possibly get everything done that we're trying to do, and there's all these other things I want to do. When do I get to do those? Yeah. So yeah, that, that hit a mark when Emerson was talking about that. I I, I know it was just a bit yeah. bit blip on the beginning of his thing, but um the fact that there was there was no there was nothing to blame. I mean, little things, but not not anything to say. Oh, that that's what the cause of this is, or I can really blame that on someone. Can I make commentary about the phrasing of blame? Oh, yeah, sure.
0: In the sense that blame gives a judgment that it's wrong to feel that way or so there's, there's something amiss. But it, it might not be amiss to feel stressed and overwhelmed and even sad. That might be okay. Well,
1: the amiss part is trying to figure out how to keep going. It's all about keeping going. Uh, so when you loop... Did you get to a point where it's having, hard to get keep going? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, not that hard. It's just, you just, you just know things are harder than they're supposed to be. And because you know what it's normally like, that's all.
0: Hmm. So your normal quality, do you not have that kind of, you don't, you don't fall in that space most of the time? Like now, right now you feel okay. And this is your normal, if you will.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. We, we, a long time ago, I guess it's been about three years ago. I, I got on this whole kick of trying to get better sleep and it was all because of this, this pattern. This pattern of sometimes things are just hard, harder than they're supposed to be, or usually are. And um, sure enough, I, once I got the sleep working better, everything was was better. But why would it come back again if I'm sleeping well? So uh, it just makes me it just makes me wonder. Oh, this must be a biological thing. There's there's not a cause about, about this. This is just this is the human experience and something you just have to go through.
0: Somebody was talking to me recently, and it probably was one of these episodes about, maybe not, about the level of homeostasis. 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 Thank you. The the balance point. I think Maggie was talking about this when you're feeling sad and angry and stressed about bad things it's a stressor, which means pulling you away from homeostasis. When you're joyous and great things are happening, you're at a party, and you're laughing and dancing, all this stuff. That's also a stressor pulling away from homostasis. And we can't really live in either of those maximums. We have to deviate down to the neutral. And so in some ways, if you didn't have patterns of fluctuation, what what would you be? How would you know your joyous times were joyous versus your hard times were hard or your intense times were meaningful? Whatever the different levels of experience are. It feels like part of that human condition is being aware that you're going to
1: fluctuate between them. Accepting that that's the, the mode you're in now and doing what you need to do to not fight it so hard that it's worse. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Maybe your solutions to sleep actually was pretty tricky. It was, uh, I tried a few things. Uh, I ended up finding out like my old art mentor that I had sleep apnea Um, and started using one of the CPAP machines and, um, yeah, that, that that helped a lot. I did the whole Apple watch thing and tracked my sleep patterns. Oddly enough, when I was really stressed, I was sleeping really badly. That was, that was about as much data as I got out of that experiment, (laughs) but it did confirm it all. And, um, so yeah, the the sleep apnea and CPAP that that really helped. Um, I know people really resisted to those, and and I just look at them wondering why would you not want to wake up feeling better, uh, no matter what you had to do at night. Can you give me a comparison of how you felt prior
0: to having the sleep ap the the CPAP machine versus when you have the C- CPAP machine? Oh,
1: it's so. I mean, it it was the whole pattern of coffee to wake up in the morning and a drink or two at night to wind down and throughout the whole day always dragging um that that is just what it came down to and ultimately getting the better sleep meant that i actually woke up bright and cheery like i used to be and I'm able to go through the day and and feel good throughout most of the day and And get into a regular sleep pattern. It's like, oh, I'm tired. I should actually go to sleep now because I feel tired. And listen to that. And uh, it just, it everything was better until the next period of being down. But (laughs) yes,
0: (laughs) was it hard to get the sleep study and the doctors to do this and all that? Was that a hard process to go through to get it funded to get the machines and all those things?
1: For me, no. Uh, And I didn't do this full sleep study thing they um they, they can do a big sleep study where they put all the probes on your head and it actually takes about uh half an hour to get all of the different wires in the right place um i know that because my son went through that but uh as it turns out they just had to do a little finger pulse um i don't know what they did i guess it's a blood oxygen, oxygen yeah blood sensor. oxygen sensor on your finger through the night and that gave them enough information to determine it um And there was something else trying to remember what that something else was, but they were able to tell when I was uh, not breathing at night. And I don't think it was just that sensor, Um, but it was nothing else that I was wearing a microphone or something. (sighs) Yeah. Now I'm forgetting. It it wasn't like wearing a CPAP. Do you, does the, that
0: machine keep Mel up or do you, are you able to share a room or do you have to have, they're they're
1: quiet. No, no, it's, um, it's just a little bit of a hiss. It's not anything that's annoying. Mel can sleep through anything, anyways. But um, uh, no, it, it doesn't get in, get in the way of of how we sleep. This bad pattern of sleep, not sleeping
0: for myself this month, definitely gave at least one night where I snored all night long enough to make wake up Maggie, and she finally left the room. Uh, after trying to get me to leave the <laughs> room, she just gave up on it. So um, I definitely. It's what it, i keep on kind of going well in february what i'll do is <laughs> and i think in february what i'm going to do is i gotta figure out my sleep thing because i can see um on the apple watch i'm kind of curious what yours look like when you are you not under stress and using the CPAP machine i am not getting uh deep sleep is what yeah. apple, the apple watch is using i'm using an app called uh sleep, sleep plus, plus which kind of analyzes the data a little bit more
1: i use pillow which um, worked out really well and that's kind of giving you a rating of your quality of sleep It does. It gives you a rating of quality of sleep. It shows you the REM versus light versus um, deep sleep. And um, it can graph it over a week or a month. Um, I I really had big hopes for this whole quantitative self idea of tracking all your data. But ultimately, I, I really didn't get anything out of it other than what I already knew, which was a little disappointing. But it confirmed, like, when I was super stressed, yeah, my sleep was pretty bad. And uh, when that stress went away, um, uh, it was a little bit easier to get sleep. And then on the CPAP machine, it was a lot easier to get sleep. Oh, that's really interesting. So you did see it improve quite a bit with the CPAP machine. So that, that pattern, which, you know, you could you could know it. You could feel it yourself, which was the important part, because there's a whole reason to get good sleep is so you feel better. Um, but, yeah, the data showed that. And the data didn't show much else.
0: I use the app called AutoSleep, which is also an iOS app. And of course, what Brian and I are talking about is our Apple Watches have the ability to check your blood temp- blood pressure, check a whole bunch of different things, and not blood pressure, um, check a whole bunch of things about your system and including your sleep. And so it collects data during the night. We sleep with our watches on, with the screen off, and then in the morning, we can check our app and it syncs all the data over. And it's all using HealthKit, which is um, Apple's federated secure health data system which is pretty friggin' cool um that's a big improvement i think in our it's a big improvement to how health records work it, it should get better over yeah time i too. hope
1: so yeah my did you get your um whole vaccine card in there as well
0: i do not have my vaccine vaccine card in
1: there in fact i
0: don't think my doctor's office know i have a booster because i was doing it and like when i went they're like you need to get your booster i'm like no i got my booster so what's happening so i need to go into the office and and tell them, but you know, it's so hard to get that data changed. That's yeah. It's, I do not enjoy being on phones for long periods of time to talk to people and try to solve that. So I haven't done that yet. So hopefully I'll like puncture my skin or break my leg and then I'll go in and get all that handled. That'd be nice. Yeah. 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 That's not the way to do it. No, I think what I need to do though is actually set up an appointment. This is my February mission for myself is set up a doc appointment, go in, talk about my bad sleep, show them my sleep records from my, my watch, get my, my, uh, Proof of vaccine stuff in my in my health kit, you know, set all that stuff up. I haven't done that yet. The quantitative self is really interesting. I just this weekend stopped tracking uh, time for all the things I'm doing. One of the things I realized at one point when I was I think when I was kicking off the important thing podcast with Michael, um, I was doing a lot of that, and it was right around a time where I was really busy at work, and I was like trading that time for work time, and I could tell I was doing it, so I started logging that. And pretty soon I got really good at working because I realized, nope, that's, it's unfair or whatever. And I kind of got clear about what my boundaries were. And so starting January also with this podcast is I just started logging everything. So I have a, a volunteer commitment to run a community center in Ben called Park Hall. Brian, of course, you know what I'm talking about. And that's a volunteer gig that I do. And I keep track of how much time I spend on that. And then I keep track of the four podcasts I work on. And I keep track of work in two different forms, programming and meetings. And meetings are actually assigned times where I'm supposed to do things with a group of people. And everything else is called programming, including code review or even impromptu discussions with somebody about code. And at first I was going to start tracking, tracking time with family, but I felt like that, was not, that wasn't a good thing to do uh, necessarily. And so I stopped doing that. I just only tracked those other things. And it's been very edifying. And this weekend I decided to give myself a break and not do it and i hadn't turned back on that that process but i did learn the the hard truth about how long it takes to edit something and that's been so good. so
1: you you turned off your tracking just to give yourself a break from having to think about it or or what the tracking's not automatic it is a very manual process
0: i've got to start and stop all my timers right right so if it was automatic i would it would be fine
1: <laughs> but but you you were rewarding yourself just just to have a break from it
0: Yeah, it's just it's a um, it's a mental stress to have to label everything. You know, it's things like um, I've done. You know, somebody pings me on Facebook Messenger and says, I love the podcast. Maybe my mom write, copies something that somebody said on the on Facebook about one of the episodes of the podcast. So I get a ping from my mom and I go, oh, and I go check Facebook. And pretty soon I'm like responding to somebody about the podcast or then I go, oh, I should I should go call Raven Lang and see if I can get an interview with her. And then so I'm doing that. So anytime I start thinking about the this Lunch with Lyle podcast, I start logging that, which means I stop another timer and start a new timer. So it's just that mental thing of like making sure I stayed focused. And because of the way all these things are, f- focal periods are really important, but also two seconds here, uh, 30 seconds here is hard to start and start a timer, right? It was useful in the sense that if I got distracted, I'm like, oh, I don't want to stop this timer and start another one. So I'd stay focused. So that's kind of helpful.
1: But yeah, I just this weekend decided to not yeah, do that again. Yeah, no, it's, uh, well, there's a term for it I heard one time, but it's just keeping that mental track of it. Cause you're tracking your time. You've got a tool for it, but essentially what you're saying is you've got this, uh, need for your, your, your brain to keep track that you have to be able to switch that time thing. And, and that's actually, yeah, that, that was the biggest thing that I found was the, 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 the most incredible moment when I went from being a stay at home dad to going back to work where I didn't have to think about every little thing, um, Going on, and I could actually focus on one thing and block that out. So, yeah, that would drive me nuts to have to think about switching the timer all the time because I need that space to think about everything else.
0: And of course, you know, my programmer brain was like, well, I really could do this automatically because if I open this folder structure on my computer or I open. Um, o- Adobe Audition, you can look at the folder structure of what it's touching and you know what podcast it is. So all I have to do is you know, spend the 30 hours writing software to track it. <laughs> and that's exactly what I was trying not to do. Right? Yeah. It's, um, it's also interesting knowing that every day you don't have enough, de- uh, enough time that day. When you have a deadline for a day that's like to do a certain thing every single day, you know that you don't have spare time. And that was my big mistake yesterday is that I spent time with my daughter just chilling on the couch and then uh, my other daughter ha- had some need for math. And so, you know, I'm making those things primary and then I'm not getting to start editing until midnight. And I kind of knew that it was, uh, I wasn't doing a good thing there. I didn't know it was going to be four hours later, but, um, you know how we all have these projects that we want to do. I know that you have these projects that you want to do. You
1: got a long list.
0: There's something kind of amazing about giving yourself deadlines for projects. Y- you do end up
1: doing them. I don't think about that one. I, I guess I don't do that, actually. I uh, I try to, but I never hit them. Have it? What, what are you thinking of? Well, I'm thinking about you rebuilt a
0: um, trailer, a camper trailer. <laughs> what are those called?
1: Yeah, it, it's an RV trailer, a camper trailer, travel trailer, all the same thing. You, you, you would bring up that example. Yes, I had a deadline five years after we bought it, <laughs> which... We intended to use it within like six months. So, yeah, yeah. That's a great example that I didn't hit any of the deadlines.
0: No, it's an, ex- it's a but that's the point is an example of you were going on a trip. It was basically ready to go on a trip. You had to get, do a couple more things. They had to be massive things, but you know, you couldn't go on the trip until that happened. And sure enough, even though there's a five year window of fixing that thing up, that last few, that last week was pretty functional. Okay. Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> It's a bad example, you're right, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, but I have to say, I love that you guys did that. This is a 19... What?
1: It's a 1978 uh, Leighton travel trailer. Big enough to have a full queen-size bed and bathroom and kitchenette and all the whole nine yards. Yeah, and it's pulled by a, a
0: vehicle, doesn't have its engine itself, and it's got four wheels?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's, it's a pretty heavy trailer, so it's got um, two axles, four wheels pulled by a big SUV.
0: And you have touched every surface of this thing. You reinstalled everything. You reskinned it. You
1: painted it. You've done yeah, tons of yeah, work. Yeah, it's, um, so it, it's a funny thing because, uh, the, the one problem that made us work on it happened to be that the entire floor had rotted out and we didn't realize it at the time, but well, once you start clearing off everything from the floor, you realize that you can pull the walls off too. And it's just gonna be a little bit more work to put it all back together. And, um, that little bit more work was at least four of those years. Yeah. But we, we were talking about projects. Well, yeah. Just in general projects, like your software projects, you have sideline software projects and stuff that you're interested in. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing about getting things done for me, it's not about deadlines. For me, it's about just making sure you keep getting back to it and doing more on it. Right. I've come to peace with all these projects that, that are long-term ones that I, I, I don't need to get them done at a certain time. I just need to find a way to get back to working on them. Problem is I'm so darn emotional about it. There's, there's so many things that I'm working on that I need to be in the right mood to do it. So I, I'm, I'm very bad about, um, making myself work on something. I'm more about, oh, I'm in the mood to do this and I follow that. Mm-hmm. so the only way I'm going to get more projects done I've come to the conclusion of is to have more selective projects fewer projects that I'm actually working on and uh, leaving myself time to be in the mood to do it
0: and, and only work on the projects that you can be emotionally invested in or something yeah,
1: yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. exactly. so once again focus I'm trying not to have a cluttered mind like uh, that house that I was talking about I'm trying to Empty it all out, leave room just for a few things, and just keep plugging away at those. I have
0: much more projects that I have not done than projects I have done. It feels like. And of course, people go, wait, how do you do all the things you do? It's a constant thing that people talk to me about. You know, you're blacksmithing, you made a piece of furniture, and you're also doing a podcast. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not doing it. Pod- I'm doing four podcasts. And yeah, I, I made a few pieces of furniture this weekend, but I didn't do very much this weekend. You know, that kind of thing is, is a constant thing for me. But the truth is, I always feel like I'm not getting into the projects. And if I think about it, that list gets really big. And they're like, they're kind of these thorns. And so there's, al- there's a joy in getting them done because then they're over with. Um, but they're also like, why did I put myself in this position to not want to do this thing for years? A great example is that when we, when we bought that, when we built that, when we had, um, Ron Day, who's a really amazing woodworker, a custom furniture woodworker in Santa Cruz, who is always part of open studios. Um, when we asked him to build that built-in system that hides our TV, our TV goes up and down. So it goes away because Maggie doesn't like TVs and I work at Netflix. So we had to figure this out. And, um, When I did that, I was like, well, this is going to be where the media center is and we're going to have a PlayStation in there probably. And we're going to have a turntable because I do like to be able to play vinyl and we'll have a CD player. And of course, it probably should be ability to have this be a center hub so I can play sound throughout my house. I've got outdoor zones and indoor zones. And so then maybe I should use. And so pretty soon I had a pretty big, big built up. It's functional system that does all that. But the one thing I didn't do with that whole system, and of course I just asked him to design it so that it had trays and drawers and everything, the one thing I haven't done with that system is I haven't put in the actual ability to switch between all those things, to take the turntable and let it play outside at the, at the pool. And or let the TV also use the speakers in the in the living room or you know all these things that you could do. And I've wired out that diagram, but I haven't spent the four days to build out the electronics and wire in the amplifiers and make sure that's all switchable and beautiful and silkscreen the front and all that crap. And that thing, every time I think about it, I just I don't like <laughs> myself for it.
1: beating yourself up. And yet everybody on the outside sees all these amazing things that you do. And it's like, where do you find the time to do it? so um just perspective there um good thing is uh yeah. you've had an entire pandemic preventing you from having too many people over to your house to to make you feel like you should get that done
0: <laughs> nobody knows that that's not done if you will right they just see that the tv everything's working right it's just that when somebody's like well can we listen to a record i go oh, gotta go unplug things and strain myself and exactly the stuff i don't want to do um it's so funny, though, because like, yeah, you're right that that trailer for you is this five year pain for you and, and, and feeling of like not succeeding on it, all that stuff. But from what I see is you guys went camping. You've gone camping multiple times. With the family you've gone canoeing. You take your bikes, though, they got <laughs> stolen ones. You go out into the world with your family and do these things that every parent wants to do with their children. You do it. And I am like so in awe about that.
1: And jealous, you know, it's the grass is always greener. And, and honestly, the trips we've done in it have been fantastic. And most of the pain of the working on that trailer has, has subsided and, and we can actually enjoy it. Although there are still a few projects in that trailer that are supposed to be done at some point, but um, I'm able to let that go. Yeah.
0: Wasn't there something I wanted to weld for you at one
1: point? Didn't you want me to weld something for you? Well, you did weld something. You made a inner sheath so that we could slide that, um, that bike rack onto a, a normal receiver on so the, the bikes could get stolen? Yeah, yeah, don't go to Vegas. <laughs> the, the whole thing about thing, <laughs> what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, our bikes stayed in Vegas. I still want to know where they are. Oh, that's a bummer. No, I thought there was something
0: else that you wanted to weld, something that you, like, some wheel or something so they it could go to a steeper angle. I couldn't remember oh, yeah, what it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's,
1: um, there's uh, it, it doesn't have much clearance. So if you were to go up a steep hill, these uh, little triangles in hanging off the back that prevent the tanks from being crushed. If it were to get too low to the ground, those, uh, those triangles could have little wheels put on them. So instead of scraping across the ground, when we get too low, it would actually kind of roll a little bit and that'd be nice. But that's another day. See, that's the kind
0: of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that we hold onto our minds, right? I kind of have in the back of my mind that someday we're going to do this project. Right. So sometimes when I, you know, we think about the trailer and stuff, I'm like, Oh yeah, we got that thing we got to do at some point. I there's millions of them. it feels like there's an uncountable number of those kind of things in my life. And sometimes it's with other people and sometimes it's mostly it's around my own stuff. Yeah. So how do you clear that list down so that you only have a list that is something that you emotionally can invest in and work on? I,
1: you know, I, I just have gotten to the point where um, things that I used to be into the, the, the workshop I wanted to have the, um, the various things I wanted to do to the house. I, they're not that important to me anymore. Uh, there's fewer things that I want to do now. Have I gotten rid of all my workshop tools? No, no, they're sitting there. Um, might be able to clear some of them out, but, um, I I'm just trying to not take on as much. There's been a few times in the last 10 years that I turned to my wife and just said, okay, that's it. I'm not taking on any new projects and it it, it didn't work, but I've taken on fewer and fewer new projects and that's my goal.
0: Life also pushes projects on us sometimes. Like there was a fire last summer and you basically had to redo your house. Well,
1: that's where I, that that was where I was feeling overwhelmed. Uh, Those are the things you don't want to do, but you have to do. Yeah. A tree fell on our house. uh, That needs to, we need to have that fixed and, uh, you have to prioritize when do you clear things away from the house? So if another fire came, cause now, you know, it's really possible, then you got to put the effort in to do that and you should pay somebody to do it, but then you find out how much it costs to do it. And well, you I'm not going to pay somebody to haul that away. I can do that for less. Yeah. So you, you can tell yourself stories all along and why you should do that project. Yeah. And, um, you gotta be really careful about what stories you tell yourself.
0: Ooh, that's good.
1: Careful about what stories you tell yourself. Yeah, well, that, that, uh, yeah, that, that's not mine. That's, that's Mel. That's all about Mel telling me about stories. That's, that's the cool thing about uh, uh, spending your life with an animator is that uh, you are reminded how much life is nothing but a story, and you can change your own. Why did you redo the floors in your house after the fire? Like, So you've got a... Is it, is it a pine floor? <laughs> because we were getting splinters, <laughs> yes, yes. It's knotty pine floor. It, we, we had it refinished back before the kids were born, and um, apparently, uh, kids growing up in the house and uh, adding a large dog really is really hard on on knotty pine floors. Um, so we actually, it's, I guess, the walls are knotty, knotty pine. The floor is Douglas fir. I'm sorry, but whatever the case, it's a softwood, and in various places the sealant had come up and it was uh, just raw wood that every once in a while we were getting splinters. It's really annoying. Um, so it, for the fire, we had to have everything cleaned. Some uh, group came in because our windows were left open or maybe some firefighters opened it. We don't know. I thought they were all closed before we left the house, but whatever the case, the everything in the house was smoke filled and had to be cleaned. And so since they were cleaning it all, I said, can you clean it into those boxes? And then can you put those boxes out there on the deck? And they were happy to do that, which left me a nice open floor to refinish. So life gave you the opportunity to do the project you had been putting off for a while. Man, opportunities is what it's all about. My entire life is about opportunities. When, when I take the opportunities, everything works well. When I, when I try to make things happen, oh, that's when it's really hard. So yes, yes, it's about the opportunity. And we did one of, it's funny because of course that
0: saying it's an opportunity is a story we're telling sure, ourselves, sure. right? It's not a hassle. It's not a pain. It's not an yes.
1: opportunity. And so when you're a master of this, you can recognize the opportunity and recognize, I don't need to do that and let it go on by. But, um, but that's, that gets back to the story. What's a software project you're interested in right now? Are you thinking about your mind map work? Um, is, or should we save that for geek speak? (laughs) Um, it's not mind map. It's, um, I guess you could kind of call it a mind map. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I want to make tools for myself, and I and I I would love for them to be useful to other people. And what I do now is obsessively read articles about politics or programming, and I want some way to uh, keep those because I can't remember everything. Um, so I every once in a while I get a chance to work on that, but no, no, I, that one has not bubbled up to the top lately.
0: I do find joy in figuring out software problems, any kind of technical problems, like that issue of the, the switcher, media switcher thing in, in, you know, my media cabinet that I want to build. Uh, I could spend tons of, I could spend hours on making that really amazing and perfect. And then I'm thinking, well, I should go ahead and put a raspberry Pi in there. And then all of these, all of these rheostat uh, fader things should also be uh, controlled remotely. And so they should be server controlled. like, there's like this level of how much I want to invest in something that can, there's never a boundary to it. It's kind of like the editing for this. I can make every one of these podcasts much better by spending more time editing it or have the conversation again with somebody or write more copy for the interlude pieces. There's never an end in sight on the projects that are your, your imagination. And I think that's one of the problems I have where a deadline gives you a, oh, well, it's got to be, it, like, I have to say no to that. I'm not going to pull in the Raspberry Pi on this one because on Tuesday I need it done. Um, that, that, to me, the what's possible versus practical is really hard when it's about the joy of it because what's possible is part of the amazing joy of the project.
1: Yeah, uh, one of the things I've always admired about about you is uh the projects you take on you do at a really advanced level, really high level. Your woodworking and and from my point of view you're you're um blacksmithing as well. Um but as, especially your woodworking since I know how to do woodworking, um I've always been impressed with what you do. And that's the space where I was able to do projects just for the fun of it and I don't try to get it to the the best quality level and um, I've got a number of things around the house that are just uh, they're they're, they're just to the level that they need to be for me to enjoy doing the project and get use out of it but I I didn't need it to the level of um, hey master craftsman come over here take a look look at how awesome this is you say that but like your T, your um, tv
0: stand the triangular tv stand that held your media and held up the tv in the corner i don't think you're using it anymore cuz you moved your tv but that was really cool and awesome and but you're saying it was functional it wasn't like wasn't carved yeah, in and yeah. all that yeah. no
1: if you if you looked at the craftsmanship uh, i'm pretty decent at hiding the the bad parts and uh oh what what is it um, i mean what i aspire to is that whole quote in steve jobs uh, biography about that his father teaching him that the back of the fence or the back of the cabinet is just as important as the front that everyone sees. I aspire to that. But when I'm actually doing woodworking, when I'm doing a project like that for fun, I'm not worried about what's in the back. I'm just worried about, uh, can I get something useful and and good out of it? I was just seeing an analysis of a
0: a Quaker dresser, you know, a four drawer dresser, um, done in the turn of the century, last century, um, in Quaker style style. And, um, they, the bottom of those drawers are not pretty. Oh, no? Even the inside drawer bottom. No, it's functional. It doesn't have splinters, doesn't have holes in it because you don't want to catch the sweater fibers in it. But the bottom of the drawer, like the underside, where you've, where you've planed down the corner panels to set it into the into the um, rabbits or rebates, depending on what part of the world you're in, um, that's just rough. It's okay to be rough. I get Jobs' perspective on it, and I totally understand that. But I also think that practical practicality is really friggin' important at that same time we have a lot of stuff in our lives that are glossy pretty and really just plastic crap yes and i have a problem with that there's quality from a perspective of durability and sustainability and like long-term use and there's quality in the sense of has a nice sheen on it and i would much prefer the the former rather than the latter uh, given the two
1: I was going to make some sort of analogy there to memories. you want the durable memory uh not the one that uh the experience that just goes away and you 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 won't remember in ten years. It's the same thing though it's um it's i it, it, oh, i I always thought about things it's not worth doing unless um it's gonna stay around It's not worth doing unless uh you've got yeah. something of quality um now. I do throw, with it, throw away things all the time, but uh, I'm at the point now where uh, all of that is... I, I'd be happy to get rid of it and just focus on the things that will last. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: Did you have any kind of maybe even secret hope that the house would
1: burn down and you get to restart when you got kicked out of your home? Oh, you're going to go there. <sighs> You you know other people will hear this. And then now you're getting into deep thoughts that I I I can only share <laughs> with specific people. Yes, of course, of course. I mean the the house this this is the thing about being a, a homeowner that I didn't understand early on. Going back to stories that we tell ourselves, I tell myself that I'm a world traveler. I've I've been around the block a few times, but now I've lived in this house for twenty years. And being a homeowner, what it's taught me is that the place you live in has lots of warts and lots of projects and lots of things you want to do to it. And you're living around that all the time. So I aspire to leave it and leave all those problems behind and go out into the world where everything I see, everything I do, may be temporary, but I also don't take on any of its problems or any of the the, the projects that come along with it. So yeah, yeah,
0: I did. It's why we can relax when we're vacationing. Right. When, when we all go down to Pismo beach and hang out that cheesy hotel, it is really nice because you have no projects that you're supposed to get to. It's incredible how just stepping away for half a state away from your home. is like this lifting. It lifts my spirit just because of
1: that, not seeing the seven things you're supposed to do every day. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we live in a, in at least what was a vacation spot though. It's not as much now, but Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we, we live in a place that somebody comes to. We, we can look out our window and uh, we can look out the window and see redwood trees right. and rivers. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's people nice. travel from all around the country to see something like this. And, and I never lose sight of that. But um, <laughs> I enjoy it most when I take a hike out into those redwoods instead of seeing them from my house.
0: <laughs> instead of seeing the, the uh, project you've got to do over by the side where you didn't clean up this and that. And yeah, the same thing. You know, I said that I've asked you that kind of flippantly because I kind of knew that was the truth for you, too. That There's this half of it's like, oh, well, I won't have all those projects anymore. There's something very compelling about that. But the truth of it is that the loss in our community and friends that lost their homes, we would not wish that upon anybody, including ourselves. I mean, for me, when we we're walking away from the house and when the power went out, which meant the network went out, which means I didn't, didn't know how close the fire was and the kids were with me. And I was like, OK, five minutes we have to leave because it just I didn't know how dangerous it was. And because I didn't know, I had to assume that it was the worst, right? That's just what you have to do. And so I got the kids in the car and we drove away from the house. And as I'm leaving, I'm like, I didn't do my shop at all. I didn't do the 30 years of collecting tools. I don't have an archive of that. I know the expensive, uh, tools and the insurance would probably cover those. But the, when you have a large collection of tools like you do, um, it's not something you can replace really. It's this weird artifact of your life of a, being a person that creates things. And so as I was driving away, I was like, why didn't I start there? What, what was going on for me? Especially when you think like, if we did move out, I would definitely need tools, especially if I was rebuilding something. <laughs> and so when I did that, the next thing that happened to me was, well, that shop is a little small and that's not the drill process I really want. You know, like I started kind of accepting the loss of it with this idea, well, what would be my next journey? And I think that's more of a coping mechanism than really a wish. I don't think I really wanted it to be. I think that I let myself be Cushioned by the idea that there'd be new opportunities.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a violation to have it all taken away without the choice of what you get to keep. And that's what happened or what happened to so many people. Um, So yeah, you're going to cope by thinking about the best part of all the cares that are gone. But uh, when you see what people have gone through to deal with the loss of their homes, they're they have a whole new list of things they have to deal with. So I don't wish that on anyone.
0: Yeah. When you say you're not going to be, you're, you're letting go of having a, a shop. Explain this to me.
1: Well, the projects I want to do are less and less about building, um, furniture around the house or, or projects for the trailer they they've They've shifted to using my skills as a programmer or, um, or dealing with, um, all oh, my mountains of photos that uh, someday will get organized or all of those things. So it's just a shifting of like uh, kind of projects I want to do. I was always a, I was always a builder of physical things. And, um, and I am happy to pay for somebody to do that for me now or to buy something that's already built. So yeah, it's just moving on, you know, different times for uh of your life for different things. I would be sad if I couldn't just go out there and, and use a saw or whatever. But, um, I don't think I've done that lately, so I could let it go. Mm. Yeah, I get that. I've
0: had the experience recently of the person that's using my shop. The most is Pearl. Who's our, our niece. Who's kind of living next door and I actually interviewed her for one of the podcasts. So listeners will know who Pearl is. She's a badass, and she's been, um, she was, she has a knife that she always has at her hip. Cause you know, she works at a farm and all that. And she's a firefighter. So she always has a knife on her and she broke the handle. And so I was like, well, you know, the shop's there she's like, I want to use your shop, build a handle for a knife. Okay. So we've been kind of, I've been spending time going in there kind of like, this is how I would do it. And then letting her do it, and trying not to do it myself. And so she's been spending a lot of time in the shop and I'm kind of jealous of that. And then also realizing it's, I enjoy it a lot more than I thought people using the shop because part of the problem of building a shop and having the resources there and then the energy and investing in it is that lots of times what you do is go, Ooh, I should go into the shop. That's, <laughs> that's what's, that's mostly what that building represents, or I should clean it so I can do a project. Cause of course it also just fills with clutter. So having somebody else in there at first, I was like scared about it in the sense that well, they could, they're, they're going to hurt themselves or I'm like, Oh, well they won't take care of it like I would. But the truth of it, if it's not being used, it's, it's not being used. Like that's really bad. So when you're talking about not having a shop and stuff, I think, well, you know, I, we need to figure out ways of living in such that you can have access to these resources and shared them in somehow. and somehow. And then it comes down to that whole, is community living something that's easy to do? Is it hard? Is it something that we should figure out how to
1: make it be a part of our lives because we'll actually be
0: happier in community rather than not?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny. I, I went through that thought, thought process so many times in my life. I friends of mine and I wanted to build or have a property that we'd all live on together. And for me, that was all about things like what you're talking about, sharing the, the shop and sharing the things that people have, because most of the stuff we have just sits there for most of the time. Why can't somebody else use it? Um, and yet, uh, that's not where we ended up there's too many complexities. Everybody's in a different state. So no, we, we don't get to do that. But, um, community, we make our own community now. Why don't we do that more? Um, you, you run park hall. That's exactly what that is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but that is so much. uh... So, right. So, um, our, our manager left during the second wave, during Delta, because we had, no, we had no work for them. And since then, I've been kind of the one, well, we've shared it a bit. There's, there's a group of seven people that are all volunteers running the hall. I happen to be a little bit more engaged in a lot of the things. And, um, you know, I find that hall really important. I had Janine, did you, did you listen to the episode with Janine Chadwick from LPRT? Yeah, I got a good chunk of that, yeah. Yeah, that was great. She's amazing. And so like, yeah, that building existing in our community, yes, that's very important to me. So I'm not going to walk away from it. And then of course the theater company, my parents started his house in that building. So I want it to succeed, but the actual process of running a community center is really not very joyous. I mean, I had a friend from high school who wanted to throw a birthday party for his wife and he needed a space that was large enough to be safe during COVID. And it was a small gathering, um, But he wanted to have enough space that it was safe enough, right? And there's, it's a large building. So having a small gathering, in a large building during the winter is better than freezing out at a park somewhere or trying to jam a whole bunch of people into a house, which was in a safe. So he asked me about it. And the complexity is great when you're running a hall like that. Everybody has to have event insurance because if somebody does hurt themselves, the owners of the building are responsible. And because the way the building is structured, the only value coming out of the building is the building itself, so if someone were to hurt themselves really seriously, and it was the fault of the building's tenants, they could basically put a lien on the building. They could actually also potentially sue the trustees for negligence. So my house is in danger. All of that means we have insurance policies for us, which is one of our expenses, and we also force everybody to get insurance policy for the, policy for the event. And most community centers are like this. But if you don't own a house and that's part of the deal, it's really hard to get one of those. It's not something that's normal. Like, you could just call your insurance agents and say, Hey, I need event planning for a day and my, my daughter's getting married or whatever you want to do, right? That's not actually that hard to do. It would be just a bit of a writer. It would maybe be about a hundred bucks. But when you're renting and you don't have a home like that and you don't have an insurance policy like that, that's a blocker. And so, as a community vendor v- venue for the community, I feel like having that stipulation in there makes it really difficult for a lot of people that need the facility. And at the same time, if we were to do something unco- something inappropriate and all of a sudden that building left the public domain and went into private sector, we'd be failing our community. So it's that's the kind of thing that you're dealing with all the time. You're making policies and we keep the rent real low, but at the same time, the rent barely covers the cost of the heat in the winter. So then we're like, well, wait, do we have to charge people for the heat? Well, the building's inefficient. Like, it's just that's all it's about is this minutiae. Sure, the vision is... This building is here. People can come and have events. And sure enough, we have events in there, and it's great. And the two theater companies are there and have a a live, thriving, 30-year-old, two 30-year-old theater companies live in Ben Lomond because that building exists. Anyway, that's a long dive tribe to say that right now I'm not doing a good job of of running that facility, and I'm trying to hire somebody, and that's hard. (laughs) Wow. And that's not my job, by the way. That's my volunteer thing.
1: (laughs) Okay. That was that was great. Um, I'm sorry. That, that's a lot of work. And oh, you made me exhausted just listening to that.
0: <laughs> the funny thing is, Brian, the funny thing is if I talk to you about what I'm actually doing at work, it would be overwhelming. Yeah. I am doing so much at work, too. That that's the thing I just don't get. You're talking about being like having too much and feeling overwhelmed. I feel like I'm living like that all the time. And this time this month I did it to myself. Well, that just means
1: February at the same time.
0: I look at the video of myself where we're chatting and I don't look that bad.
1: Well, no, once you, once you get on the um, microphone, you get energized. I mean, we were, this was supposed to be a 10 minute conversation. I'll remind you in uh, what 90 minutes into it. Yeah. That's because I like talking to people, especially people I like.
0: <laughs> Brian, you've been the most reliably honest with me about this endeavor. <laughs> Early on, I was like, "Hey, I want to have you on the podcast," and you said, "What are you doing every day?" That's really stupid. <laughs> like I that. was not that. I, mean, blunt, I wouldn't say you were okay. negative. You were protecting me. <laughs>
1: I can read the text, sir. <laughs> I, I was equally excited for you and telling you this is probably a bad idea, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a, a huge thing. Now, come February, you're going to be sleeping a lot, I hope, and looking back thinking it was a wonderful thing. So there you go. You've created something and you'll have it for there forever. Um, maybe it'll make you think not to do it. Um, daily long form podcast daily for a month next time, maybe you can do it, spread it out every week or something like that but yes it it is a real thing to feel that drive to create something, and you are able to follow that i I just hope you can find the balance a little bit more, yeah well, it for you as well sounds like last month last month hard yeah, yeah you just. You just uh, retrench a little bit and then come out happy and get back to it. Do
0: you, do you have a, an inner voice that's kind of negative,
1: like that, that mind talk that talks, Brian, you can't do this, or you know, you're know you failing at this? Do you have that kind of dialogue going on? Oh, I have lots of dialogues in my head. They aren't those. They tend to be about conversations where I said something silly and uh, wanted to take it back. But um, no, uh, the, the conversations I have with myself are about... Uh, about, what's the right way to say that their conversation is about what I should be doing, but I'm not beating myself up about it. It's, I just wish I, I could do all the things that I think are important. And so I, I think it's important to not, uh, turn that into a conversation with yourself where you make yourself feel bad. It's, it's more about, um, uh, trying to achieve something you think is important.
0: When you say that you beat yourself up a bit sometimes about
1: something you said that yeah, was silly do that. or whatever, can you give an example? Oh, I'm, I'm sure there'll be three from this conversation. Um, no, uh, uh, an example. I don't have one off the top of my head. I, I did something silly the other day. I was in a meeting with three people
0: and I said goodbye to two, uh, sorry, it was the three of us, me and two other people. It was a Zoom meeting. And I said goodbye to both of them. And at the last minute, right when I was hanging up, I realized I'd used the wrong name for somebody. And so then I corrected it and said, "Oh, sorry, I mean, you know, Jeff or whatever it was, right?" And then we ended the call. And afterwards, I was like, "Oh, that's not good. They now don't think I know their name." And and the reason it was confused in my mind is I'm bad with names. But also, I met Jeff and George at the same time, and they, you know, and they just mixed in yep. my brain a little bit, right? Um, and that still. It's been three days and I still haven't done a one-on-one meeting with, with Jeff or George, whatever, who was that, that wasn't, it is. Uh, and I realize like, to me, that does kind of, that kind of eats at me. Sure. Is that the yeah, kind of thing you're absolutely.
1: talking about? Absolutely. Um, I mean, we, we all go through this. I don't think it's a, it's anything unique. We'll all um, have an experience. You, you, you know how to handle something really well later but at the time you didn't do it the way you would have liked that's just that's just normal
0: i think it's also about like thinking how we would perform and then being disappointed by our own performance in that area that's a bit of it too like i could have done this better and i didn't and it's like why did i fail to do that that's how it comes across for me i feel absolutely i think you have more of a tendency to do that than than most people i know really because I've, I think I've regularly had a conversation with you with, you come back to me later and it's like, I just wish I'd done this. And I wish I'd done that regarding the conversations. Now, of course we have conversations together because we've done Geek Speak so many times and maybe it's around that, but also even sometimes it's like, I feel like sometimes we've we've had a conversation before about like, we're in an environment, certain people and I go, I don't feel like I'm a part of the, the, the group. And then you say to me, I feel like I said this thing that was stupid and it's like, it feels like we've had that conversation
1: multiple times. Well, maybe that's just because uh, we actually are um, saying inner thoughts more to, to each other more than other people might do. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely will think about um, the past like that. I, I, one of the things I always do is just try to improve and you have to... Um, think about the things that you didn't think you did a great job at to improve. So maybe, maybe it's coming out of that. My, my family thinks I'm pretty hard on them. So maybe I, I am just trying to improve too much. That you're harder on yourself as well. Yeah. I, I think it, I think it also comes
0: down to the point where lots of times when we engage with people, we have a bit of a performance going on where we're trying to be entertaining. We're trying to show interest. We're trying, trying, trying. And so when we don't do what we're trying to do, we feel like we failed them. Of course, what the other person is seeing is you engaged and interested in talking with them. And they don't know about what you're trying to do or your, you know, other mental state. And it's it's like if we just broke through that performative nature and said, Whew, I'm having a hard time feeling, you know, like like got a little bit more vulnerable in these conversations, then you don't say things that are wrong really, because you're just saying the truth of who of what's going on for you. But we rarely live in that space one-on-one conversations you can get there but you can't get to that in group settings it's really hard to do that
1: well yeah in a group setting you have your radar up um <laughs> thinking about what everybody else must be perceiving so yeah yeah no you you have to be with somebody you can trust to to let all that down absolutely um yeah but i so what's important about friends I've- right? talked to you before though and been in those moments and then still later think oh i should have said this so uh, i don't know if uh i don't know if that's the answer uh but uh okay maybe i think about what i've done in the past and said in the past more than most people sure i'll grant you that maybe i
0: don't know it's hard to know right because i'm not in someone else's head maybe we're just talking maybe just you and i've talked about it more <laughs> exactly we don't know yeah it was funny, you started that by saying, like, everybody does this. I'm like, well, I don't know if everybody does. I've been doing a lot of talking with people and asking them about their inner voice and stuff. I don't have a, uh, my inner voice is not verbal, really. Um, so it's not the same as some people, but some people have like, and, or, and it has in the past, um, have a real like other language voice. Uh, somebody today heard the episode I, I chatted with um, Archna. And um, Archna was, ta- I think it was Archna, was talking about it when she started dreaming in English. Um, And, and her inner voice became English. And that happens to people that take on a second language and then get, and then speak in that more consistently as their primary. At one point, that inner language and the dreams switch. Someone talked to me today about that. And, and they're like, that's exactly what happened to me. All of a sudden, you know, I'm now using, I'm not using Thai anymore. I'm using English in my inner dialogue. And I was like, that's so strange that, that it's almost like it's an entity talking to you.
1: (laughs) Wow. That's gotta be just an incredible sensation to go through um yes yes uh some people live in their heads so i i i'm just fascinated that you say you don't have an inner voice because there's a conversation going on in my head constantly and you're thinking in images and feelings i don't know um
0: <laughs> yeah talk about right. hard to explain well, right well what does your voice sound like if you does it have language?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's a constant story going on. It's it, it's like real life. It just happens to not have any physical form. <laughs> it's just constantly going on in the background. There. Um, that's can can you use it? Can you use it to cue up things you need to do? Um, cue up things that I need to do. I use it to think through problems. I th- use it to. Oh, wow. That's, I've never thought about it that way. Um, I don't know. I, I teach myself how to do things because I'm sitting there thinking about um, the path. Well, okay. I think the only way I can describe it really clearly is getting back into talking about programming because I think anybody who's programmed, I think, has experienced this, which is you work on something and you work on something and you don't know the answer and you go take a shower, you go take a walk, you go do something else and your brain is still working, sometimes consciously, sometimes subconsciously. And you're tracing through the problem in a different way. And all of a sudden it comes to you what the answer is. So that is my life all the time apart from programming as well. So whether it's the projects around the house or the kids' schedule or whatever, that, that conversation is going on. And um, and I think, I mean, is that a clear way to explain it?
0: Yeah, I guess I guess the thing that's different for me about this is that that is happening in my mind. I am planning things like that. But I feel like that narrator. I don't feel like that. there's an external narrator talking to me. I feel like it's me that's thinking about what I'm going to do next and how I'm going to cut this wood or how I'm going to program this next thing. Or where is the soap? It doesn't feel like it in any way is commenting on me. It feels like it's me uh, doing it. Unless I'm meditating and then I kind of get that those are just things
1: I take on that are showing up oh, in did my I mind. Did I imply that, anyways, that there's a, a story that I'm watching? No, it's all first person.
0: So if it's a first person experience... And it's judging what you just said or what you said to somebody. So you are thinking about what you just said. Then
1: if you are critiquing, what are you critiquing? (laughs) Yourself? You're you're running it over going, I could have done it this way. And you replay that in your head. Or I could have done it this way. Oh, that would have been better. Um, No, no,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Is there a judgment like you were a failure
1: or you did this badly? It's really embarrassing, but yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. I did this badly. Uh, I tend to, I tend to break out into yeah. a, a song or, or do something physical to try to ward those feelings away. Those get really uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> you've never had that where, where something really embarrassing comes back in your mind and it's like, you're right there again and you're feeling that same embarrassment again. How do you deal with that? You got to you got to do something. You can't just inhabit that embarrassment again. That's so uncomfortable. <laughs> have you you don't have that? So, if I if I have that feeling, <laughs> I have to go do something different.
0: It sounds exactly yes, like this. It, it
1: is. <laughs> like I can't do
0: this. Like, go. He does it
1: every day. It's <laughs> great. That's great. You can't watch a single show without doing that. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. Um,
1: I don't have that. You're never overwhelmed I, by that embarrassment? I'll get... Em- or event in the past? No, I don't think I get overwhelmed by it. I don't think so. Are you... Uh, do you have regret? This is... We're talking about gr- regret, right? I guess so. I guess you can define that as regret. Regret is something you wish you hadn't done or done different. Is that Regret?
0: Yeah, I mean that's regret, like wishing yeah. you had done something differently. I think, I think embarrassing things like that. It's easy to say, "Oh, I wish I'd done that." Mostly, it's about when I feel like I've hurt somebody or I've I've said something that other people are upset about, and I wish I hadn't done that. That's it's not like I don't get embarrassed. Like there's something wrong with me. I feel like oh, I've put somebody else at disease, and that's that's not a kind thing to do. And I I don't I don't like when I do that. I, I do inappropriate jokes sometimes, things like that. Um. But what I was kind of curious, and I was thinking about this earlier today when I was thinking about talking to you with you um, about long term regret. Like, have you made a decision in your life that
1: you go, oh, God, I wish I hadn't done that. Do you have any? Of no, that? no, because I recognize that all of the when you're talking about long term regret, all of those big things that I might have regretted in some way are also what make me who I am. And I, I, I accept that from the for, for, on face value. I accept that. Everything I've gone through makes me who I am, so I don't want to be somebody dramatically different. It's I don't see. I mean, I I have a lot of things I really wish I did. I could have sold my boat back when I stopped sailing it, taken that money and put it into Apple stocks, and I'd be doing really well right now.
0: Oh, no. I, I, I remember when, I, I remember the, the when my thing f- that happens, friend bought I
1: think... Bitcoin at $3 and I was going to go play with that. And I couldn't figure out how to get the transaction to go through. So I never did it. So, <sighs> I, And uh, that's not regret anymore. I, I yeah. don't regret that at all. I took $100. I took $100 out of
0: my checking account and I put it into a place to buy Bitcoin, transferred it there. And it sat there for 10 <laughs> years and it never did buy, buy Bitcoin. That was a million dollar mistake. That was kind of hard. I kind of regret that. At the same time, it's yeah, a good exactly, story. Exactly, exactly. And that's who you are now. So so you can't regret that. I, I think the most prominent about this is once you've had children. No matter, you know, like if you think about the, there's this great show and I wish I remember the name of it. I've brought it before. I really need to know this name of this show. But the basic idea is this, this, um, family, uh, the males in the line of this family can teleport into can trans, can time travel to any point in their life and play that point forward they can just jump back in time anytime they want and they can change little things and they kind of experience the rest of their life that way so what happens in this show is that the character that can do this has a child and he realizes he can never go back before that point and change anything in his life because even if he delays himself from meeting the the mother of his kid By moments, life will be different enough so that that kid will not be the same kid. And that's the butterfly effect, right? Like, especially if you think about the science behind it, which sperm fertilizes which egg is just so low random chance, right? Moments of difference would be the difference. And so there is this point in time which is very real. And you can't really have any regret prior to that because then your kid wouldn't be there. Unless I guess, if, if you hate your kids, you can have regrets.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna happen. Um, exactly, exactly. So, so no, the, those kind of re- regrets. No, there, there are things that I wish had happened. I wish I had more time at certain points in my life. Um, you know, I, I, I wish we didn't have the money troubles we did, and I could have focused on more family stuff, but. But those are things that you don't hang on to because you didn't have a choice. You had to do what you had to do to get by at the time. Um, and then when <laughs> when the embarrassing things are far enough in the uh, past, you, you you can think about them without being overwhelmed by them too. Like in the third grade, when I was really rude to this girl who drew a drawing in all black crayon, I said something horrible and felt terrible for for years. But that one's that one's far enough in the ba- in the past now. That actually shaped who she yeah. is, and she's successful. Yeah, the the, the girl that said I had a huge rear end in uh, middle school, she shaped me too. <laughs> Did you well, have a huge rear end? She thought so. <laughs> who knows? What? <laughs> um, what do you mean you're hard on your family? Oh, uh, they get tired of me inviting them over to the dishwasher to show how to pack it a little bit better so that more things get washed and you can fit more in there or, um, I don't know. I I believe in improvement. I believe in, in learning to be better at whatever you're doing. Um, so I, graph that onto my family and sometimes i just don't want to hear it they're 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 fine not improving in that way they're fine it's okay if i don't learn how to do that better i don't need to know that dad so that's what i mean but in everything i do i I, it's like oh i I could do that a little bit better next time and i try to do that
0: maggie and i've just recently reached a point where like wait we pack the dishwasher too much it's not as efficient and so we've started to
1: try to not pack so wait, as wait. much in. It's not as efficient because a few dishes don't get washed and they go in the next time?
0: Um, well, I mean, the whole system is designed to have a lot of flow going all directions. And if you put too much in, you stop some of that flow. Now, most of the time, that doesn't matter. You can kind of get it to work. But the truth is, if you do have a few less dishes and there's more flow,
1: everything comes out cleaner. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I have to play with that one. <laughs> I'm fine with a couple dishes.
0: We had a whole bunch of <laughs> go on. Yeah, being dirty. We had a whole bunch of problems with our dishwasher. the 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 composter system uh blades got ripped up, and I took it apart and bought new parts. And then I had I heard that if you're going to replace the uh the blades that cut up all the food particles and stuff of the impaler, that you should also replace the impaler bit because the next thing that blows is the gasket, and then the whole system can leak under the dishwasher and if you're unlucky it'll rot your floor and you won't even know about it so i went ahead and bought the extra pieces and did the replacement and then i fixed a few other things and during that process we were paying a lot of attention to the dishwasher Um, we also have a dishwasher that has a salting system to to decrease the amount of droplets that happen on the dishes and the cap to that got left off and got melted and destroyed and so then we had a process where that wasn't closed so we've been spending a lot of time thinking about the dishwasher and one of the things we noticed is that maggie and i are like we load the top shelf and then we also put long, big stretches of things on top of that too. And if you don't do that, it seems to be that the, the dishes are a lot cleaner. So we've been...
1: Yeah, being yeah, have a different style dishwasher. Maybe that's the deal. That's right. You have a yeah, very different... You have a drawer, drawer. dishwasher, right? Yeah. It just great. seals up and spreads water around. I, I love the
0: idea that you are in this place where you'd always like to learn how to do things better. And it's enjoyable for you to learn... like. Systems that make it better and, and to be improved, and so it feels only natural that you would say, "Hey, here's things that you can do better." And other people are like, "I don't really care how efficient I am with this load dishwasher. I'd rather play this computer game," which is like, I get that perspective. I'm not in that place. I'm in the same place you are. Like, I'd like to, know no, to well, do it really well.
1: You know, I'm also asking him to do chores, so that's that, that's a high bar to get over already.
0: <laughs> how do you? I'm in this place where I just, I don't, I don't want to, like right now there's dishes downstairs. There's a whole bunch of dishes and I have three kids in the house and all of them could do the dishes and I'm going to do the dishes. And the reason is that I'd rather have a relationship with them. That's not about me asking them to do things. And I know that's wimpy and horrible, but at the same time, I really don't want to be in the space where the only reaction I have with my 20 year old son today is me asking him to do one more thing
1: well i mean your your kids are all basically adults so you're in a different phase um i still have a little bit of youth left in my youngest one but um yeah yeah it's hard it's i there were plenty of times with them growing up where i decided to just do it and um i i look back at the times where i didn't just do it and it took longer and it was frustrating on my end but um uh, they they can do a few chores around the house without too much grumbling and it's good so um, yeah it, there's a point where you don't get that power and yeah that, that compromise of a better relationship it's just it's the right choice to make I'm totally I think it's lazy I think you're a better parent than me <laughs> that's my take on it you're, you're, you're sitting up here well we're both sitting up here with a microphone at 10 o'clock at night so I, I don't know about that It's totally true. Well, so that I don't spend too much time editing
0: tonight, not because I want to stop this conversation, I'm going to say thank you so much for doing this with me.
1: Uh, I I wish you a good night's sleep and three edits. Hold yourself to just three edit points. That's not. That doesn't (laughs) even make any sense. Okay, just three sections. Cut it. Throw (laughs) throw the rest out. It's it's that's all. You don't uh, need to do all this. Just three good sections. Go to bed.